We got off to a good start with those guys. Then with injuries, were we deep enough with the top guys to overcome that? Obviously, we weren't able to. But that doesn't mean that we haven't improved. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. We're going to cover the eight games that we had on Tuesday. We're going to preview a seven-game slate for Wednesday, and we're going to shine that player spotlight on Justice Winslow of the Miami Heat. So... Let's get to it. To it. Thank you, Michael Bolton. We will start with the monstrous line of the night. Man, this guy, Anthony Davis, 41 and 13, four triples, two assists, three steals, three blocks. He was 17 of 31 from the field. He hit all three of his free throws and he had a trip to the locker room with a rib contusion. He can do no wrong. He's been ridiculous. He's averaging 36 points per game over his last six with 15 rebounds and three blocks and 2.7 steals, and with a true shooting of over 58%. Killing it, it it has been one of the more ludicrous uh, runs that we've seen. The last month from Davis has him far and away the number one player in that time. He's still second overall in the year behind Jim Harden, but he's catching him, and he is, uh, yeah, every fantasy owner that drafted Anthony Davis, you obviously got him at a discount in the draft, and he is repaying that, and you you must be feeling pretty bloody good about where your team is sitting as you must be feeling pretty good as Pelicans fans, as this team just continues to win and continues to push themselves. They need to keep winning because yeah, pretty much no one in the West in that conference race really loses. This was a great win for them against the Clippers who were sitting in the ninth seed, and they're going to be pushing. You know, They've got a chance to finish with home court advantage, which is an absolutely crazy thing to think, especially with the Spurs, the Thunder, and the Wolves all struggling a little bit at the moment. So Davis is really riding that, and he is riding your fantasy team pretty hard. The waiver wire line of the night, it's the young gun of the night as well. It's Kevin Yogi Ferrell of the Dallas Mavericks, 24-4-2 with six triples, a steal and a block, and 9 of 11 from the field for Kevin. He started this game with Wes Matthews out. He started the last game with Wes Matthews out. It was a little bit of a different result in that last game against the Pelicans where he started. He only played 23 minutes. He had five points with two assists. In this one, he played 38 and obviously put up all those numbers. But of course, when we want to see these things, and this is what's been a pattern through Ferrell's short career, is when he has these big games, it comes on stupid sort of shooting. 9 of 11 is 82%, something that has absolutely no chance of sticking as he moves forward. He's a 44% shooter over the course of the season. He's been pretty decent from the field in the last few games. Minutes pushed up to 30 per game over the last seven and shooting 50% and hasn't missed a free throw, uh, averaging 10 points. But yeah, 2.4 assists in 30 minutes isn't really doing much. 2.6 assists isn't awesome. The 1.6 steals is good, but when you look at the course of the season, that's double his seasonal steal rate. Yes, Wes Matthews is dealing with a bum hip, but I don't think there's really any necessity to go and own Ferrell in 12-team leagues, probably even 14-team leagues. Again, cast your eye back literally one game, and you'll see why this is uh, a, a pretty significant outlier. I think that Ferrell can be a backup point guard in the league. I think he's not one of the top 10 or 12 best backup point guards in the league. 
Uh, he can occasionally have these good games. He can play at shooting guard as well. He is a rotation guy, but he's probably a ninth or tenth guy in a decent rotation. That's about it. I don't see massive upside for him in his future for dynasty leagues or anything like that. And I don't see him becoming anywhere close to a 12-team league guy this season. But you got to give the uh, credit where it's due. And this was fantastic, uh, fantastic performance in a massive, massive upset win for the Mavericks over the... Uh, the Denver Nuggets. The dart of the night. I tell a man's not hot. Kemba Walker, man, this wasn't good. Five, three, and seven. No threes. Had a block. One of nine from the field. And weirdly, he went three of six from the line. I say weirdly because he is an 84% shooter over the course of the season. Recently, his numbers from the line have been down. The last eight games, he's down under 78%, and he's down at 68% over his last four games. So some weird stuff going on with his free throw shooting at this point. Maybe he's dealing with some sort of an injury. I'm not really sure uh, what's actually causing this problem. His three-point percentage has also dipped over the last four games. He's 43% from three over the last two months, but in those last four, he's down at 33%. He has been excellent this year, though, Kemba. 23, three and a half, and five and a half with three triples and over a steal per game. And the efficiency, not a, not a significant dip, just 43% from the field, which is recoverable from, or of course, if you punt field goals, you don't give a shit about it. I don't think we need to worry too much about this. Again, that short-term free throw drop, is a little bit worrying, I would guess, but I think that that's going to... There's nothing that indicates that Kemba's all of a sudden going to be a poor free-throw shooter down the stretch, and we hope that whatever ailed him in this game and whatever is causing this to be a momentary dip in his shooting from the line is able to be corrected and able to be sorted out as we head into the fantasy playoffs. So he is your dud of the night, but really, there's nothing to it to really say about him and his value as we move forward. Let's get stuck straight into these games from uh, from Tuesday in the NBA. There are eight of them for us to recap. The first one was that Charlotte Hornets team. They lost to the Philadelphia 76ers pretty comfortably. And uh, Bolkov's back. 30 minutes for Robert Covington, 22 points. Very, very high shooting percentage, 64%. But that's not really what we want to look at here. It's the two steals, it's the two blocks, it's the five triples. And these these were numbers that were significantly lacking during his recent slump over the last month or two months, where he was a guy that you'd have to cons- you had to consider dropping. He's been it's not just this game that he's played well. The last couple he's been here pushing back up. The minutes are always consistent with Covington, and if you want to go and grab him, you go and grab him. You don't expect this level of field goal percentage, but you should know that if you're dealing with Robert Covington, that you're not expecting high field goal percentage. But you want the steals, you want some blocks, you want some threes, and that had really been out of his game over the past couple of months. Benny Simmons had 16, 8, and 13 on 89% shooting. Good night from him. While Sharich had 9 and 5 with 4 triples and Embiid. It wasn't the greatest Joel night, but 18, 5, and 4 in 29 minutes. Uh, Rashawn Holmes played 3 minutes in junk time. He then, after the game, tweeted out um, and then immediately deleted it. I wasn't able to get a screen cap, but I did uh, I did see it. He, uh, he tweeted out, and uh, kids listening, you can close your ears. Uh, he tweeted out, fuck this shit, um, which I assume indicates a marginal level of frustration with his playing time. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him in the offseason, what happens with Amir Johnson. 
We all love the excitement of Holmes, his exciting blocks, his big dunks, but he does have significant limitations. Let's not act like he should be playing 25 minutes a night with Sharich and Embiid and Simmons and these guys around. You can make the argument that he could play over Amir Johnson, but Johnson, I think, is a better defender, and he he can still block shots and position himself and and do some smart things without putting up uh, good stats on the court. Johnson had 7-5 and five in 13 minutes here. Um, and again, look, if Holmes took those backup minutes, I don't think it would be too much of a problem. But he has so many defensive miscommunications and lapses that I think that's why he's not in the rotation. Redick, only 24 minutes, but 14 points with three triples. He was pretty strong. For the Hornets, Dwighty Howard looked disengaged in the last game that the Hornets played, but in this one, he was back in business. 30 points on 17 shots. That's a lot of Dwight Howard shots. Six rebounds with three blocks and actually went 71% from the line. Nick Batum had 12, 4, and 10. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist was ejected early on in this game, but that didn't mean that Jeremy Lamb got extra minutes, strangely enough. Only 18 for Jezza. He had 10 points with two steals, two triples, and three assists. And while we all love what Lamb can do, the playing time's just not there to justify ownership. With uh, with Kidd-Gilchrist out, Trevion Graham got the boost. 25 minutes for 12 points for Trevion. No Michael Kidd-Gil... No, no, the other one. The other Michael hyphen. No Michael Carter-Williams, so Malik Monk. Played the backup point guard role. He had 9-2-2 two, and two in 16 minutes. I'm just glad we're seeing him on the court. He's been probably the most disappointing rookie this season in the non-Markel Fultz division. He has struggled to get playing time. I think he should have been getting this playing time over Carter Williams all season anyway, just to see what he can do. But obviously, his lack of defense and, and Steve Clifford's... Uh, Old school mentality of not giving in to rookies because I'm a big man and I've got to make you feel small. Um, I really that just detests me to no end. It go it goes up with the uh, the mentality of children should be uh, seen and not heard, which is or you know you, you must have respect for old people just because they've survived, just because they've they've managed to live through it. And I say this as someone who's older than many people that I talk to. If I'm wrong and being a dickhead, you don't have to respect me just because I'm I'm older. It should be earned through um, through conduct and and the way you act, not necessarily just because of the year of your birth. But anyway, a lot of coaches have this mentality. Stan Van Gundy, Steve Clifford, you're a rookie, mate. You can't do shit. And a lot of the time, that's right. But you know who else can't do shit? Michael Carter-Williams. Anyway, Malik Monk, I still think he can be a decent NBA player. He hasn't been great this year at all. I don't think he's an excellent fantasy option, though. Uh, just doesn't have enough strings to his bow. But if he can develop as a point guard, as many of these Kentucky players have developed skills outside of what they did in college, there is some hope there. So it's an ultimate buy-low type scenario for Malik at the moment. Marvin Williams had 11 in 24 minutes, but that's really just deeper league sort of stuff. The next game we look at, the Miami Heat and the Washington Wizards. Just a brutal loss for the Heat, this one. Yeah, Dwayne Wade had a chance at the end to win the game, missed it. He played 28 minutes and had 22 and 6 assists. This is at the end of overtime, sorry. The usage for him is just astronomical, and it's. I think it's going to hurt the Heat. He had a 37% usage in this game, and we know that Dwayne Wade is one of the greatest shooting guards of all time. He's also not one of those players right now. And him having this level of usage, I think is going to be a concern at some point. Tyler Johnson didn't start, but started the second half, played 38 minutes, and you would think that he starts over Luke Babbitt in the next game. Some coaches have fascinations with players. Eric Spolster and Luke Babbitt is one of those. 38 minutes for Tyler, 21-3-4 with three steals and a block. He'd be an okay guy to look at in a 12-team league, but this rotation is stacked full of players. And when the Duke Wayne Ellington comes back, I'm not sure how the minutes are actually going to go around for everyone. 
Joshy Richardson had 16-2-2 with three steals and three triples, while the iron shoulder Goran Dragic had 16-7-5. and I'll touch on Justice Winslow now, who had 15-6 and in 38 minutes, but we'll talk about him more later on when we get into the player spotlight. Jim Johnson, 14 minutes, 6 points as a starter, not a 12-team league guy. And Hassan Whiteside, who was the monstrous line of the night yesterday, he played 21 minutes and had 8-6. and six. And that is one of the things that I went on about yesterday is that inconsistency in minutes going all over the place is going to be what happens with him during the season. Kelly Olynyk played more minutes and Bam Adebayo only got four. So yeah, obviously there's no need to have Adebayo in 12 or 14 team leagues at this point. Onto the Wizards, Otto Porter hurt his hip again. Every time this guy gets hurt, it's his hip, it seems like. 12-5-5 for Porter in 32 minutes with a steal and a block. It's just listed as a bruised hip, but he has had hip problems for years now. And as someone who's dealt with hip problems themselves and had to have surgery on my hip for that same injury that Isaiah Thomas had... It just never goes away. You're just always dealing with soreness in that hip and uh, uncomfortableness and tightness. And I think that's, you know, Porter's going to deal with that. And Thomas is going to deal with that for the rest of their career and, to be honest, the rest of their life, clearly. If Otto misses time, Kelly Oubre is the big beneficiary. We see more minutes for Markeith Morris, Marcin Gortat, Jan Mihinmi, Mike Scott also. So none of those guys become automatic ads apart from Oubre if we find out the Porter's a long-term thing. But it doesn't appear that way. Thomas Satsuransky had a couple of poor games, but he was back 40 minutes, 19-3 and 7. He should be owned. Well, Markeith Morris should be owned also, 16 and 13 in 42 minutes. A nice, well-rounded game from Ubre, 14 points. But Ramon Sessions, interestingly, was in over Timmy Frazier as the backup point guard. Six points in 13 minutes for Sessions, who just signed his second 10-day after not playing a single second during his first 10-day contract. Also, Marcin Gortat remains bad. The next game we'll take a look at, the Atlanta Hawks and the Toronto Raptors. Hawks playing a good team, so Kent Bazemore returned, and the starters all played in a decent minutes here. 27 for the Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman, 12 and 10 with three blocks. That's useful. The Baptist, John Collins, 29 minutes, 14, 3 and 3. Again, useful. I would have Collins over Deadman in 12-team leagues, but both guys can be owned. The artist formerly known as Torian Prince. The usage was well down in this one, but 9 points with 2 triples, 8 rebounds, 3 assists a steal, and 2 blocks is still really, really good fantasy production, and he should still be a 12-teamer, while Kent Bazemore had 14, 1 and 5. He appears to be the only one of that uh, quintet I haven't mentioned Dennis Schroeder, that looks like he's going to have some rest days down the stretch, but he still should be owned. Schroeder had 11-3-3. Wasn't a great night for him. Uh, Not much else to really talk about with the Hawks. For the Raptors, Kyle Lowry only played 23 minutes due to foul trouble. Um, So, of course, uh, we had some uh, big minutes from Freddie Van Vliet. 29 minutes for Fred, only four points on one of seven shooting, but three rebounds, seven assists, three steals, two blocks. He has been... An absolute surprise packet this season, Van Vliet, doing things on a consistent basis, even even when you think he can't maintain that level of consistency. He is a guy that is, I guess, hard to consider a must-own player. But over the last two months, he's the 93rd ranked guy, in large part because of his steal numbers, 1.2 steals paired with 3.5 assists and hitting two threes per game. If you're looking for an assist-steals-three combo guy, then Van Vliet can be that player, and he can also see his minutes push up on nights when uh, the Raptors are blowing teams out. But he does have a field goal percentage concern, shooting 39% over the last 12 games. That's a bit of a problem there. Uh, After he started out the season shooting quite well, he's actually regressed um, 
pretty significantly down over these last 12 games. So that is something to keep an eye on. He's more of a streamer than a must-own guy. My boy, Jakob Pertl, 21 minutes, 6 and 9 with 2 steals and 3 blocks. The field goal percentage wasn't there in this one, but the blocks were. If you need blocks, you own him. It's as simple as that at this time of the year. If you don't need blocks, then don't worry about it. That's pretty much the genesis of his value. DeRozan had 25-3-4, and four, another decent game for him, while Malcolm Miller started for the Jedi OG Ananobi. Hello there. Um, five points in 15 minutes, of course. We don't really need to own him anywhere, while Pascal Siakam and Serge Ibaka both struggled in this game. Valanciunas was also strong despite the Pirtle play, 15-7 for Jonas in his 26 minutes. The Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder Jimmy Harden had 23, 5, and 11 with four steals and a block. That's ludicrous. The fact that he was only third in monstrous line of the night ranking shows how good Anthony Davis and Steph Curry were. Chrissy Paul had 25, 4, and 5 with three steals and five triples. A huge night from him, while Ariza and Eric Gordon both nailed three triples for their 15 and 14 points, respectively. Ariza's a guy you own. I think Gordon's more of a streamer. But again, at this time of the year, roto leagues, head-to-head leagues, you need points and threes, and Eric Gordon belongs on your team. You don't really need them in, in the sense of, um, I'm either well ahead in this area or I'm going to get beaten in this area, then there's no point for Gordon. If it's one of those, and most of the time in your head-to-head matchups, there'll be, you know, you'll have three categories locked up, your opponent might have three categories, and then you've got two to three categories that are battleground territories. And if one of them are threes, then Gordon is, has a place on your team. If you're going to win threes by 50 triples a week, then what's the point? He's got no value to you in that scenario. And it's really important. People ask me this question, who do I own out of Eric Gordon and Montrez Harrell? Uh-huh. It's it really is an impossible question to ask, sorry to answer because I could tell you oh, Eric Gordon's better than Montrezl Harrell, but if your team doesn't work that way, then it's one hundred percent wrong. So you really got to pay attention to how your team looks and what it needs. No Ryan Anderson again. PJ Tucker had ten and six starting in his place while Capella was a bit struggled a bit low usage. 10 points in 27 minutes with a couple of blocks. The Thunder go down to the Rockets. The Rockets continued on their win streak, by the way, 16 in a row now. Westbrook had 32, 4, and 7. Brent Barry had an interesting stat of every NBA player who has taken 100 pull-up threes this season. Russell Westbrook has the lowest percentage of those. Yeah, 27% is hitting of them. Some look, look, he shot... 27 attempts here, had 56% shooting. That's great, but he still makes some poor decisions and he still is inefficient at certain times. Great line from him, no doubt. But still, at times, the way he plays does not necessarily contribute to winning basketball. At times, of course, it does. He wills his team to victory. But other times, there are some questionable calls that get made. Adams had 16 and 8 with three steals. Paulie George had 17, 4 and 5 with three steals. Strong from them. While Mallow returned from his rest, 23 points with four triples. 33 minutes, that looks good, but there's just nothing else in that line. And I I still think that he is not a 10-team league guy, and he really is a borderline 12-teamer. Corey Brewer saw his minutes increase. They're 0-2 in the two games that Corey Brewer has played, by the way. So he not only uh, he took Terrence Ferguson out of the rotation in the first game, took Alex Abrines out of this one while Ferguson came in and played eight minutes, and Brewer played 23 minutes. And you can give me energy, whatever you want. He's just not good. Uh, he's not going to have real fantasy value. He had you know, 10 points in those 23 minutes and fouled out. Um, the Denver Nuggets and the Dallas Mavericks. I know you probably want me to go on a rant about Michael Malone, but I'll, I'll keep it simple. This guy's not a good coach. It's it's straightforward. Um, 
the play of Nikola Jokic since Paul Millsap has returned has been poor. Now, there's blame to be apportioned in many different areas. Some of it goes to Malone. Some of it goes to Millsap. Some of it goes to Jokic. I'm not absolving him of any blame in this situation. He's looked disinterested. But I can put some of that disinterest or poor shooting on the the way that Malone has coached. With the team, and I've said this so many times, Malone comes in and goes, right, guys, Best offense, absolutely rolling last year, yeah, killing it. So, you know what I should do? We should probably change everything. And that sort of, I don't, I don't even know what the right word is, that sort of inability to understand what you've got and build on it rather than say, right, everything worked. Jokic makes the decisions and run things. That worked fantastically. What about if we do the exact opposite? And that's what it feels like. Millsap has to have some sort of awareness as well. Jokic comes into this game and takes nine shots in 26 minutes. Millsap only plays 20 minutes due to foul trouble, still takes 10 shots and has a usage of 26% while Millsap's is 16. Millsap has to realize that him continually posting up or taking all these shots, he needs to be a defensive guy and an offensive role player. It is just really, really confusing that these players, and players just don't adjust. Dwayne Wade doesn't adjust, and coaches need to hold them responsible. And the fact that they lost this game, a must-win game that could see them fall out of the playoffs, and Jokic and the Blue Arrow were benched in the fourth quarter. For You can say they were playing shit, but I don't, I don't care. Like Putting subpar players on the court is bad coaching. Simple as that. Fart and Will Barton stacked up the stats, 16-8-7, three triples, one steal, and one block. And he is still not a good player. The Nuggets have been a positive with him on the bench for each of the last two seasons. Not by huge amounts, but by significant enough amounts where he is jacking shots. He is taking control of the ball and he's just not as good as what he thinks and as what the Nuggets think, I, I, I believe. For now, you love what he's doing fantasy-wise, putting up the stats, but he's not a winning basketball player in my opinion. Mason Plumley had 10 and 7. That was solid. The baby neck had 21 with very little else. I wouldn't be putting my trust in Wilson Chandler at this point and leaving him as a deeper league guy while, uh, while Gaz Harris. Nice, Gary! Wasn't that nice. 11 points in 32 minutes. One of his poorer games. Well, the Blue Arrow was shitful. Six points in 24 minutes. But the 24 minutes is the part that really stands out to me there. On to the Mavericks. Dennis Smith Jr., 35 minutes, 18, 5, and 11 on 44% shooting. This guy is going to be good in my opinion. He is going to be a top 30 fantasy guy at some point in the next three years. Um, if the field goal percentage ever creeps up to 45%, then yeah, yeah, top 30 is pretty much locked in, I believe, for Smith. Love what he can do. Dwight Powell had 14 and 4 with two steals and a block. So while the minutes have been down for Powell, that production's still fine. The minutes have been down because Nerlens Noel is creeping up. He's taken Salah Mejri out of the rotation. He's taken Maxi Kleber out of the rotation. And he played 26 min- minutes here, Noel. Eight points, 14 rebounds, a steal, and a block. If you want steals and blocks, Noel is going to give them to you. Every game, you are a chance of getting two steals and two blocks. And if he plays 25 minutes a night, then I think that he can be a 12-team league guy because he doesn't need 30 a night. He's not going to be a 16-point scorer, but eight rebounds, 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks in 25 minutes a night. That is worthy. So have a look. See if he's there. See if it fits what you need, more importantly. But everything's trending in the right direction. The pencil Harrison Barnes had 15 and 7 in 32 minutes. Or Dirk, another good game from Dirk. 17 points in only 22 minutes. Um, 
the next game, the New York Knicks and the Portland Trailblazers. Man, this Knicks team. I that he, Jeff Hornacek is terrible. He is uh, he is the worst coach in the NBA at the moment, and he he should not be in charge of this team next season. Emmanuel Mudiay is absolutely horrendous. Three points in 26 minutes, four assists and a steal, one of nine shooting. Stefan Bondi had a great uh, tweet today. I wish I could remember what it was. I think Moody has played 200 minutes for the Knicks and he is a negative 111 in that time. Those numbers are probably marginally off, but it's around that sort of a number. It is absolutely incredible how piss poor he is. And you can use whatever excuse you want, which the Knicks do. Oh, he's a former lottery pick. Cool. So's Nick Stauskas. So's Thomas Robinson. So's Jaleel Okafor. They are all shit. I think you have to start realizing that Emmanuel Moutier is also shit. Uh, he's still young. Cool. You know who's also young and a lottery pick and a point guard on your team? Frank Nilakina. So instead of maybe giving him his first start of the season, playing at shooting guard only because Courtney Lee was out for personal reasons, maybe you should have tried to play him at point guard. And Hornacek's potential solution to Moutier sucking... Maybe we should bring Jared Jack back. Look, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't do it under any circumstance. Start Trey Burke. Put Nilakina at point guard. Try it. See how it works. It might work. In fact, I think it will. And I know it's going to be better than Moutier. If you want to move on from Moutier in any league, you've got him in 12s, 14s. Fine, piss him off. He's dreadful. Mick Beasley went to the bench. Lance Thomas started over him, but their minutes remained the same as they were the previous game. Beasley had 16-4-3 and three with a steal and a block. I wouldn't consider him a must-own guy at this point, while Thomas, of course, uh, doesn't really do much fantasy-wise. Well, Ennis Cantor, the minutes are back up for him. 18-11 and 11 in 27 for Cantor. Always a guy that you needed to hold on to, while the cock monster Kylo Quinn blocked his three shots, had his six boards, but only played 18 minutes, uh, which is not enough to be a consistent 12-team league guy. He still can have value there. As for Frank, 28 minutes, 6-2-2. Two and two. I wouldn't be rushing to grab him in any 12-team format, even if they do decide to start him at point guard, which it appears that they won't. On to the Blazers. At this point, it's just consistent from Lillard. 37 points in 32 minutes with eight triples and had two steals. He's excellent. 19-6-4 for McCullum with five triples. While Mo Harkless was out again, so Shabazz Napier's minutes went up. 12 points, two threes, four assists and a steal. Napier is one of these guys whose advanced numbers from this year really do look like he could become a good to very good starting player at some point, and his restricted free agency will be very, very interesting. So in Dynasty Leagues, if you do own Shabazz, I think you should feel pretty good. The Chief, El Farouk Aminu. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. He's pretty shit pretty much all of the time at the moment. Six points with two triples in 25, leave him alone. Evan Turner uh, didn't do too much. Or Eddie Davis, great rebounding streamer, had 14. Didn't do anything else, but did have those 14. While Yusuf Nurkic got into foul trouble. Still put up 11, 8, and 4. So it's a salvageable performance, but only got on the court for 19 minutes. The Brooklyn Nets and the Golden State Warriors. D'Angelo Russell, 22, 3 and 8, 2 steals, 3 triples, 60% shooting, an excellent performance from him. You know I still believe in D'Angelo Russell, especially as a fantasy asset, and this is a great sign. Spencer Dinwiddie had 30. He had 30 minutes, sorry, 13, 3 and 5, solid without being spectacular. While Karis LeVert, who was electric in that last game that he played, the minutes are at 25, so well down on that pass game. 10, 4 and 3 with two steals is solid. It's more 14 teamy though than 12 to me. The Blue Swimmer struggled 9 and 5 in 28. While Jarrett Allen, I think if a guy like Larry Nance is available, you want to take a flyer on maybe Montrez. 
Lewis Harrell. Um, Alan, the minutes are on the way down with Rondé back. I think you can consider moving on four and two in 20 minutes. I dislike the way he's being used. Well, I think that Allen can be a Clint Capella-type contributor in the next three seasons, but at this point, it's trending in the wrong direction. Damari Carroll had 19 and 7. His numbers are trending in the right direction. Somehow took 19 shots, which is an extraordinary amount for a guy like Damari Carroll. A really good performance from him. While Rondé, 9 and 6 in 25 minutes. Wasn't his best night, but still should be a 12-teamer. On to the Warriors. Steph. 34, 6, and 4, 6 triples, 3 steals, 1 block, 60% shooting, an excellent game from him. Draymond had 16, 5, and 9. Clay had 18, 5, and 5, and Durant had 19, 6, and 3. No David West due to an arm cyst. Sounds really awesome. While uh, Jordan Bell suffered a sprained ankle. Thankfully, it's a mild sprain. X-rays were negative. Maybe he doesn't miss any time, but as we've talked about, he's not really going to be too much of a fantasy contributor this season as much as I love his long-term value. The last game, the Pelicans and the Clippers. Drew Holiday, excellent once more. 19-4 and 17 with a steal and two blocks. Didn't shoot the ball well, but still put up those other numbers. Well, Rondo has to be owned at this point. I don't like Rondo. The team is significantly worse with him on the court versus off the court overall season. Although, to give him credit, he's improved since Cousins has gone down. 13-3 and 9 with two steals, but they don't like closing games with him, and they didn't in this one. Uh, Ian Clark closed out this game. Emeka Okafor was back. He started 9-7 and seven with a steal and three blocks. You need some blocks, then you can look at a guy like Okafor, but that's more deeper leagues. While Miritich's minutes went back down, the numbers were fine. 13-7, and seven, three triples, a steal, and a block. That's still standard league valuable, but the minutes trending down with Okafor back in the mix. On to the Clippers, Tobias Harris. Uh, amazing that he's apparently better than Blake Griffin now after that trade. 27-11, and 11, three triples and a steal and a block. While the table, Montrez Harrell, 31 minutes, 26-8, and eight, two assists and a steal. He started the second half over Wes Johnson, moving Toby to the three. And as long as the rooster is out, I think that Harrell has 12-team league value, and I think we'll see him starting the next game. 10 and 20 for Jordan here. That's solid. Milosh had 9, 3, and 5, more of a 14-teamer, while Austin Rivers struggled a bit. And Lou Williams. Not often you see Lou Williams shoot 54% from the free throw line. He was 7 of 13 from there, and that is a massive, massive dent for a guy who, and that's been his number one category for a long time. That is a really weird scenario to see those sort of numbers. Wes Johnson was shit. Uh, so Cinzarius Thorwell got 28 minutes, 4 and 9 for him. I actually don't mind Thorwell. I think he can become an interesting 7th or 8th man in a couple of years, but he's not going to have too much of an impact this season, quite clearly. All right, let's uh, go into talking about... Let's go to the player spotlight now. And we will go and look at the Miami Heat's um, young backup point guard, small forward, power forward. And that is, of course, Justice Winslow. Winslow has been killing it of late. His last four games, he's been in double digits. All of those games, he's contributing right across the box score. If we look at his last four games, 17-5-2 with two steals and three threes. 13, 4, and 2 with 2 steals and a block. 12, 12, and 5 with 4 steals. And 15, and 6 with a 3 and a steal. So racking up consistent steals in his last 4 games. But the more important thing is he shot at least 50% in 3 of those 4 games. Uh, And that one game he didn't, he was 4 of 9. So not too far away. And the numbers, yeah, they're really, really up. Now, when he was starting for a big stretch there in early February, the numbers weren't good and the minutes were down. But bringing him onto the... uh, on the bench roll, letting him hand 
handle the ball and run things more in the second unit. It's working in his favor. In fact, he's the 73rd ranked player over the last two weeks, uh, averaging 11 and a half points with five and a half rebounds, two steals and 2.7 assists. Now those steal numbers can probably come down or they probably will come down as will the 50% shooting and 53% shooting from three. But over the course of the year, He's a 42% three-point shooter in 51 games. It's not on large volume. It's uh, He's only attempted 81 threes this year. Uh, last year, there he shot 19%. The year before, he shot 28%. So there's a clear improvement there, and, and it's not high volume. So we're not 100% sure you know, how this is going to start translating. But the signs we've seen, he looks so comfortable on the court at the moment with the ball in his hands. The decision-making is great, and he really is... Yeah, like so many of these young players, a you know, big point guard type guy who's you know, plays on the wing, but putting the ball in his hand, like Brandon Ingram, works in his favor. Is he a guy that you go and own in 12-team leagues at this point? The Heat have such an interesting rotation. The Duke Wayne Ellington hasn't been playing. So we've got Goran Dragic, Tyler Johnson, the Duke, Dwayne Wade, um, you've got James Johnson, Kali Olynyk, and Joshy Richardson. Scooter Magruder's been in the rotation. How does he get enough uh, playing time every game to, to maintain this level? That's the tough question. I would hope they would just take Magruder out of the rotation. I would hope that they would limit Wade to 20 minutes, have Duke Wayne Ellington at 25 or so, Johnson at 25 or 26, and let Winslow get his 27 to 28. But I'm not sure that'll be the case. It's been the case the last four games, but they're the games that Ellington has been out, and that has resulted in a spike with Winslow's minutes. We also see James Johnson's playing time heading downwards, and that's helping Justice get this extra playing time. So is he a 12-team league guy? It depends who you'd be dropping, but if you're still in a taking a flyer type of scenario, sure, everything's working well, but the steals are way too high, the field goal percentage is way too high, the three-point percentage is way too high, and when those three things come down, he won't be the 73rd ranked player. He'll probably be the 120th or the 130th, and is that going to be enough to sustain a spot on your roster? If we look forward to him moving forward, he's still not 22. He's he's about to turn 22 in a couple of weeks. So he's still got some significant room to grow. And he's dealt with injuries. Injuries this year, missed nearly all of last season as well. Only played 18 games. He's improved things like his defensive box goal plus minus at a season high and or a career high. And finally, this year, for the first time in his career, he is a positive overall box score plus minus. Still negative offensively, but improved a lot of his other numbers. His PER is well below average, but an improvement. His win shares below average, but an improvement as well. But one of the key stats that I always like to look at is, is the team better when he is on the court? And yes, they are. They are a plus 3.5 when Winslow's on the court with his ball handling, with his decision making, with his defense, and the shooting this year has been a real positive for him as well. Can he be a top 100 guy next season? I would really, really love to see the Heat run a Dragic Richardson, Winslow as their three main sort of guys. Now, whether Winslow plays off the bench or starts, I don't give a shit, but he should be getting those minutes. The problem you're going to have is Dion Waiters is going to come back and just suck the ball out of the players who are actually good's hands, and that's going to have somewhat of an impact there. But heading into his fourth season, if you play Winslow some minutes at the four, you play him some minutes at the three, and you play him some minutes at the one, they don't have this, you know, any sort of great point guard prospect coming along. 
I think that he can be next season. I would say at this point, a hundred top 120 player, but I'd also think that he has got you know, probably top 60 upside for next season and can sustain top 60 seasons in the NBA. If he can get his usage over 21%, score 15 points a game, hit 1.53s, get you 1.7 steals, and get four and a half assists. I think all those things are realistic, despite him getting really nowhere near them at this point in his career. Only, I haven't even mentioned what he's averaging, only averaging 6.9 points this year with 5.3 rebounds, 0.8 steals, but still those 2.1 assists. But those last seven games give us a glimpse. 11.5, 5.5, 2.5, steals, 1.33s. That's something to build on for Winslow. When Allington returns. We'll see what happens to his minutes. But if they start trending down, I'd be looking to buy low in a dynasty type format. But I think this is really, really encouraging from him. The shooting's been good. The unlocking of a new role. And we just have to hope that Spolstra can realize that he should be playing above these other guys you know, when we head into next season. But that's still a big F by far. He's nowhere near a lock to be this top 100 guy next year or top 120. There are so many different things that can happen. But this recent run of form from him is definitely encouraging, even though there is no way this level of production is going to stick with the shooting and the steal rate. That is going to dip. There is absolutely no doubt about that. So don't be relying upon it. But yeah, at 12 or 13 point average next season with six rebounds and three and a half assists and 1.5 steals and 1.5 triples. That's a very early estimation, but I think it's a possibility for him. And I do think that he is really showing some significant signs of growth at the moment. All right, let's uh, go into talking DFS now. We'll start with the perfect DFS lineup on Fangel. Tyler Johnson at 42.6, Kevin Farrell at 35.8, Drew Holiday 56.3, and D'Angelo Russell 42.6. Bob Carve at 40.8 and Etwan Moore at 33.3 are your small forwards. Tone Davis at 70.4 and the table Montrez Harrell at 40.6 are your power forwards. And Dwight Howard 46.2 is the center for a total of 408.6. And that costs... $59,400. On DraftKings, Drew had 57. Tyler Johnson had 39.75. Bob Cobb had 40. Tone Davis, 70.5. The table had 40.5. Yogi Ferrell, 38. Toby Harris, 50.75. And Nerlens Noel snuck in there for 29. That cost, or well, that totaled 365.5. And that cost $49,900. All right, let's go in. We've got a seven-game Wednesday, a very, very light Wednesday, not really used to having a, a day as low as this in the middle of the week. The first game we're going to take a look at is the Utah Jazz and the Indiana Pacers. From everything that I can see, and remember, I am blocked from the actual Fangio site because of uh, my location restrictions, it looks like this game is not included in the main slate on Fangio. So they're going to have one of those single game only contests, which I cannot recommend enough not to play in. Um, so their prices are all over the place as they bump them up for that game. So going through Fangio for that game is not going to be ideal. So we're going to do it for DraftKings on in this stage, go through DraftKings pricing for this game as we analyze it. The... Uh, spread is even. The total is 201. The Pacers are on an absolute roll. The Jazz are on a roll as well. It's going to be a fantastic game to watch. Derek Favors missed the last game for the Jazz with a neck spasm. If he is out, you know, Shirepko gets the boost, but you get more minutes for Rudy Gobert and you get, uh, you know, Ekpe Udo moving into a role as well. Trevor Booker should 
uh, be available to make his Pacers debut as well. Um, I I keep hearing that I say debut weird to all you Americans. I, I don't know how you say debut. I think you say debut. We say debut. Anyway, that's, uh, that's beside the point. Let's look at a couple of the point guards here. Ravishing Rick Rubio at 6,500 on DraftKings. Has been playing fairly well lately, but this is somewhat of a negative matchup. Corey Joseph, quite good defensively. And I don't think that that sort of a salary is the way to go with Rubio. Uh, Corey Joseph at 4,900. I have no confidence. The slower pace defense of the Jazz also turns me off using him. So I think that both those point guards are pretty decent fades. And of course, Alec Burke's not really interesting. Don Mitchell and Vic Oladipo were both listed as point guard shooting guards. I love Oladipo here down at 8,300. He was shit in the last game, turned it over a ton, shot the ball poorly. But prior to that, he's averaging 42 DraftKings points over the last five games. And at 8,300, I will totally be into that. While the Don at 7,300, he's averaging 37 points over the last five. Totally into using him. Now, they both have decently negative matchups, but I feel good about them at their current price. Jinglin Joe at 5,900. Well, he was on fire against the Magic. Dropped 48 DraftKings points in that game. Played a ton of minutes with favors out as well. But was shut down in that second half by John Isaac. So 5,900 for Ingles, while it seems like it's a bit expensive, he did exceed it last game. I just don't think that him backing that up is a realistic pop proposition. Boyan Bogdanovic, who's been killing it, he had 45 in his game against the Wizards. He's at 5,600 and... The matchup here, real negative. We know that Ingles is a very good defender. The slower pace uh, from the Jazz is also a concern. I think that's a tournament-only type of a situation. The little dog, Lance Stevenson, I don't think we need to look at either of those guys. Um, The Deuce Young is a small forward power forward on DraftKings. 5,700 for Thad. Really, really bad matchup for him, so I think we will leave that one uh, alone. While Jonas Sherepko at 3,500, he'd be a tournament option if Favors is out just because of the extra boost. He had 21 points in 21 minutes in that last game that uh, that Favors sat out, while Royce O'Neal at 3,500 as well. Very uh, very unlikely to get enough numbers out of him to make it worthwhile. Jay Crowder at 43. I do like the tournament upside. He was brutally bad in 28 minutes last game, only six points, but he does have the ability to go for 30 here, which at 4,300, especially if Favors is out, does work in your favor. The power forwards, Favors at 5,400. He has played very well against Indiana in the past. I think if he does play at that sort of a price, he would be a strong, a low-owned sort of an option also. Uh, while DeMontis Sabonis at 5,100, there are much better ways to spend 5,100. At center, we're talking Miles Turner. We're talking Rudy Gobert. Turner is down to 5,600. He's still averaging 29 points over his last five, which is, is an okay return at 5,600. The Gobert factor yeah, is a problem, but centers have had a decent amount of success recently. I think you have to consider Turner in the tournament pool just with how low that salary is and with people being off, most tournament is terrible. Yeah, having that attitude out there can get him with low ownership. As for Gobert, he is crushing it. Centers have done well against uh, Turner most of this year. He's at 8,400 here, Gobert, averaging 43 across the last five. You know, getting 40 out of him here, it should feel like really the expectation, and I think that's what you're going to be able to uh, what you're going to be able to do. Um, all right, let's uh, let's go on now to the next game. We've got the uh, Houston Rockets and the Milwaukee Bucks. 
The Rockets are favored by six, a back-to-back for them. The total is 216.5. Ryan Anderson's unlikely to play while Joe Johnson missed today's game with an illness. If Johnson is out along with Anderson, you're going to see Gerald Green get into the rotation, but really unlikely to have too much of an impact for what we're looking at. Chrissy Paul at 8,100, obviously played very, very well today. The uh, Eric Bledsoe point guard defense can be a negative, so I think Paul at 8,100 is not the strongest option here, whereas Bledsoe, he also has to deal with the defense of Chris Paul. He's at 7,500, but he's been putting up numbers, averaging 41 over the last three. I just think given that price on uh, on Fangio, you'll want to go a different direction. Chris Middleton's at 6,600. The knee bothered him in the last game. Hopefully it's fine in this one, but he was poor. So that makes me want to go to him as a tournament guy. Hopefully people are off him if they burnt, if he, they got burnt last game. Well, Jim Harden, 11-4. We're always interested in Jim Harden. So he's almost going to get you 50 or 60 every game. And of course, we really enjoy that. Eric Gordon at 5,400 has played well recently. I don't feel super strong about using him here, obviously. And Tone Snell, Sterling Brown, and Jason Terry, I couldn't feel less interested in them if I tried. Yanni had to the Kumpo, 11,500 for Yanni. He had a little bit of a rough patch uh, or a rough game not that long ago, but 50 points over the last five, 55 over the last three. I'm pretty okay with it. Decent, decent record against the Rockets, 56 average the last three times. Just a decent cash guy and a tournament option. While Trevor Reza at 52, I feel okay about using a Reza in cash and tournaments too. At power forward, Jabari Parker's at 5,500. Not a back-to-back. So will we see him push towards 28 minutes? I think that's a significant opportunity. Uh, defense can be a problem for Jabari, but I do think that he is worth using here just to get your 25 or 26 with real comfortable 40-point upside. The Muppet John Henson at 52. If Tyler Zeller is out, it strengthens his position, but I wouldn't feel really all that comfortable with using him. While the centers, McCurr, Zeller, Nene, Capella, the only one we're really considering there is Clint at 7,500. I think you should consider that pretty strongly. He did struggle today, but I think against this Bucks team with Henson and McCurr, that he can really, uh, he can really cause some problems. So I'd be looking at him as an interesting center to use. On DraftKings, Jabari at 4,700 definitely has value there. While Yanni, Harden, and Capella, very similar to Fangio. All those guys are in pretty good spots. Chris Paul at 8,000, still not feeling super good about that. While Middleton's in a worse spot on DraftKings than where he is on Fangio. Let's go on to the next game now. We're going to talk Memphis Grizzlies. We're going to talk Chicago Bulls. The Bulls were warned by the NBA for sitting healthy players, Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday. So apparently they're going to reintroduce them into the rotation, but it's not likely to be in a big role is the reporting from KC Johnson. So don't expect Lopez to start starting again. Don't expect Justin Holiday to start starting. In fact, I would expect both of those guys to comfortably be under 20 minutes a game. What does it mean? It means guys like you know, David Nawaba maybe loses a bit of playing time. We still don't know how this is going to work out. Yeah, Punch Bob Shiploke, his minutes weren't high anyway. They were at 26, 27, even as a starter. Maybe he loses a couple. Chris Felicio loses a fair bit. Noah Vonley loses playing time. And maybe the Hammer Denzel Valentine also loses some playing time along with Powell Zipser, who's dealing with an injury at the moment anyway. As for the Grizzlies, Tyreek is out of this game. Jarrell Martin is questionable. Um, and Ben McLemore is not on in the injury report, so he should be returning. Of course, Andy Harrison and Mario Chalmers are already gone. At point guard, Chris Dunn, 6,500. Totally fine with using Chris Dunn here. Great matchup for him against Kobe Simmons, most likely. Um, but I wouldn't feel great in cash because his numbers alongside Levine haven't been as good as previous. 
Xavier Rattan Mays at minimum salary with Macklemore returning. Now they he played alongside uh, Kobe Simmons in the last game, so there was a bit of crossover there. Um, played well, had twenty one points. I think he's absolutely a tournament option. Great matchup, great opportunity, but the opportunity will probably be a bit lower than what it was last game. Campaign at 3,900. He's putting up okay numbers, but I don't really see too much use there. At shooting guard, Kobe Simmons, 3,900. 27 points in his first NBA start. Should be in line for his second one. And I think, again, against the Bulls, no problem whatsoever. But we do have to remember, in that game, with no Macklemore, um, Simmons only played 26 minutes. So it wasn't like he was running 39 minutes out there, Ray McCullum style, a few years ago back with this with this uh, Kings when he played like 48 minutes a night. At this point of the year, Simmons still had his minutes pretty limited, but at that price, it's pretty bloody hard to go past. Benny McLemore at 4,200. His last game before his personal reasons arose, he dropped 37 points in 38 minutes. I literally couldn't believe what I was seeing that, that he was doing that. So at 4,200, I wouldn't be locking him in in cash, but he's got a great opportunity, and he is an interesting tournament guy. While Wayne Selden at 39, I reckon he can do better as he works his way back from injury. Zach Levine at 6,800 has just been poor lately, to be honest. I wouldn't want to use him in cash, but it's a perfect opportunity for him to drop 40 real-life points on these Grizzlies guys' heads, so use him in a tournament, definitely. Um, small forwards, Dylan Brooks at 4,500. There is some upside there in Brooksy, not a massive amount. Wouldn't use it in cash, but I'd consider it for tournaments, especially given the matchup. Nwaba at 58, that's pushed way too high. The Hammer Denzel Valentine at 6,000, also too high. Chandler Parsons, Justin Holiday. don't think, really think we're getting involved with either of those guys. At power forward, Larry Markinen, 5,800 for Markinen. The production hasn't been there for him. Um, tournament would be, I think he's worth a tournament look, definitely, but de- uh, no way in cash would I be interested. While well, Punchbob Shiploke at 6,800, we assume that he is starting again. The Bulls said they were going to run the same rotation for five games, but the NBA interjected and said, you know, things are going to change. So we don't know exactly how they're going to you know, make that change happen. Punchbob's at 68, no way I want that in cash. Zero chance against Marcus So He is going to get eaten alive. Not, no interest. Jermichael Green's at 6,700 because he is putting up good numbers. Now, he can eat Larry Markin alive. He can eat Punch Bob alive. 6,700. If Jerrell Martin is out, I think that's a good play on Green. If Martin is in, I definitely have a level of caution. I discussed this at length yesterday about his out-of-this-world out blocks and assist numbers and minutes going way up that I don't think can continue if everyone's healthy. And if Martin plays, it does put a dent in him, I believe. As for Jarrell at 4,700. Uh, good matchup for Jarrell, averaging, Jarrell Martin is averaging 32 points over the last three games, but I'm not sure they're going to run with that Green, Martin, Gasol front line all that often in this game with Parsons back, with uh, McLemore back, with Selden back, so that's going to put a dent on his upside as well. At center, Felicio Lopez, no, no, Davis, no, Marc Gasol, 8,400, what a great matchup this is for Gasol, his minutes are fine, he's averaging 36 over the last three games and 34 minutes over his last five, he's producing, he's giving you 40 almost every night, totally fine to use Gasol, but you always have it in the back of your head, what if they drop him to 29 minutes in this game? And that's a possibility. Bad team going up against bad team. Maybe they sit him down um, a couple of minutes extra, which really impacts him. At that salary, your margin for error is razor thin. On DraftKings, I said I didn't like the hammer, 
on FanDuel. On DraftKings at 5,100, I'm fine with it. I think it's great value, but it's a big difference in the salary. Now, I don't know how he's going to be impacted by Justin Holiday returning. And we can talk. I can't believe the, the NBA made a big deal about the Bulls not playing Justin Holiday. To be honest, Justin Holiday is probably the fourth worst wing on this team. Levine, Nwaba, Valentine, and Holiday. You can say whatever you want about Holiday. He is just, he's um, Farton Will Barton, but worse. Um, provide some defense. Sure. Nwaba does that better. You know, shoots. Valentine does that better. Creates. No, he doesn't. Valentine does that better. I could easily make the argument he's the fourth best wing on this team, tanking or not. Um, but he could have an impact on what the hammer does because Fred Hoiberg, you know, questionable decisions do come his way sometimes. Let's move on to the next game now. We are looking at the uh, Toronto Raptors taking on the Detroit Pistons. The Pist- the, sorry, the Raptors are favored by five on a back-to-back. The total is 213 points here. DeLon Wright suffered a sprained toe today. It looks like he'll be fine, just stubbed it. So I don't think there's too much to worry about there. While Stan Johnson is listed as questionable for the Pistons, as is Luke Kennard. If both of those guys are out, you might have uh, Reggie Hearn get some playing time. And that is a real person and he might get some playing time. The other one is uh, the Jedi OG Ananobi. I don't think that he plays and Malcolm Miller gets a start, but that has literally zero impact on DFS. At point guard, Dwight Bikes at 3,700. No Fred Van Vliet at 48. Yes, definite blower potential because the Pistons are shit. Uh, Van Vliet's at 4,800. He had 33 points today. Always a GPP guy. While Kyle Lowry has historically played very well against Detroit. There's a real minutes risk here, but I think you want to put him into a deep GPP pool at least to see how that goes. Ish Smith at 5,600. He's been dreadful. Or DeLon Wright at 4,000. I think we can uh, forget about that. At shooting guard, DeMar DeRozan at $8,000. Weirdly, the Pistons have been a team that's able to restrict DeMar. So I think that this is uh, is worth fading him. And also, completely unrelated, but a quick shout out to DeMar DeRozan and to Kevin Love for going public with their mental health battles. You really, it does take courage for these guys who no doubt there is going to be some absolute, um, what's the uh, right word, um, dickhead in the crowd that when these guys play, uh, why don't you go and be sad, Demar? Uh, Love, why don't you go and have a cry? There'll be some absolute brain dead uh, asshole that says that. And I know these guys tune that stuff out, but when you're already, I guess, feeling a little bit, you're struggling in that area, like that sort of stuff is not a great thing to hear. And especially in this environment of people just, oh, Demar, man, I had you on my DFS team and you only scored 15 points, you fucking bum, what is this? Like that shit wouldn't help. Also, if you're someone who does that, don't tweet at athletes. Don't tweet this stuff out. Don't call them bums for getting injured or for scoring. Don't, it's just, it's ridiculous. But shout out to DeRozan. Shout out to Love for coming public with their uh, mental health struggles. There are plenty more players in the NBA that suffer this, I guarantee you. Uh, but these two guys had the balls to go out there and uh, and say it, and uh, big kudos to them. At small forward, Stan Johnson, the Jedi, CJ Miles, mm, not real interested in them. Jim Ennis at 3,800, he's probably going to start. He's had one good game and a couple of shit ones, but that puts him in tournament mode. While Reggie Bullock at 4,700, I still don't feel confident about using him in cash, but there's we, we know there's 30-point upside there for Bullock, and that's an interesting tournament play without being a good one. At power forward, Serge Ibaka at 56, a down game from Ibaka here, but a good matchup. I'm in on him in this one. I think he gets 27, 28 pretty comfortably, and that's fine for cash. Griffin's down at 8,100. Seems to have got his form back in the last couple of games. But power forwards, 
have really struggled against the Raptors this season. Griffin's coming off his own bout of struggles. If I used him, it would only be in a tournament. Tone Tolliver, Eric Morland, no, no interest. Andre Drummond, $10,000, loves playing the Raptors. Let's go. Totally in on him for cash, in on him for tournaments as well. While Jonas Valanciunas, I would love it at 57. Totally in, 6,400. I think you have to resort to tournament value. While Jakob Pertl at 44, he dropped 32 points today against Atlanta. That was a really positive matchup. This one's not quite as positive, but it still can work in his favor. But he is more of a tournament guy just because so much of his value comes from blocks and the extra bonus points you get on Fangio with three points per block. He gets three blocks. You're, you're halfway there pretty much to get value and he gets one block and then you're you're not going to make it and that's where the real high variance comes in with his level of production over on DraftKings Bullock and Pirtle I think are good tournament plays love Pirtle at 38 as a tournament Valanciunas at 55 absolutely in on that really like that on DraftKings Lowry at 72 I like DeRozan at 75 I think you can get use out of and Drummond at 95 is a strong option Griffin's down at 79 on DraftKings and again you can consider that for tournaments but I don't think that it's really an elite cash player or anything along those lines the New Orleans Pelicans and the Sacramento Kings back-to-back for the Pelicans. They're favored by five and a half, and the total is 224 points in this one. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein has been ruled out, while Scalabissier is listed as questionable with a sore right knee. I don't know who's going to rest. The Kings aren't going to announce this before tip. They won't announce their starting lineup. But you would think with Corley Stein out, Costa Kufos will start. And with Lebissier questionable, there's a chance that Zach Randolph, and almost definitely Zach Randolph's back in the rotation. And maybe even Vince Carter sneaks in if Lebissier is ruled out. At point guard, Frank Mason's at 3,600. No thanks from me. Uh, Ian Clark, no thanks also. Darren Fox at 5,800. Yeah, I see limited upside. I see low floor. So you know what that means. Uh, who's the other point guard? That we, oh, Rajan Rondo. That's him. 6,900 for Rondo in putting up some, some pretty good games, but I, I really dislike that price. Coming on a back-to-back, maybe you want to look at him against Sacramento yeah, because it's his former team. The last three times against Sacramento, he's averaged 16 points. So I wouldn't be getting overly uh, overly excited about using him, and if I did, it would just be a tournament. At shooting guard, Budrick Heald at 5,600. Again, this is his former team, and he averages 17 points against them in 25 minutes. But his minutes are trending up. The matchups are positive ones, so I'm happy to use him here. Drew Holiday's at 8,500, uh, and Drew just consistently churns out big numbers. I think if you want to use that in cash, I don't think that you should be completely turned off at all. At small 40, Twan Moore very, does very little for me, nor does Darius Miller, Vince Carter, or Justin Jackson. At power forward, Scales at 6,100. Um, power forwards have done a pretty good job recently against the Pelicans. The knee injury leaves you with a concern. I think you should look at him at tournaments, and that's really about it. Zebo at 59, tournament as well, because we just don't know. 18 minutes, 24 minutes, 30 minutes, zero minutes. Could be any of those. We really don't know what they're going to do. While Tone Davis is up to $13,000, and at $13,000, I think I have to say, sorry, guys, I think that's too high. Um, dealing with a rib issue in a potential blowout game, it's a perfect matchup if those other things weren't against him. Salary, injury, back-to-back. Um and blow out, sure, in a tournament, put him there, put some scrubs around him, see what happens. But at 13000 that's you to get your value back, you're needing 65 plus. And yeah, there are a lot of factors that I guess going against it at this point. 
Nick Miritich at 6,800. That's too high with Okafor back. Speaking of Okafor, 3,800. I don't think we really need to get too interested in that. But it is a good matchup. High variance guy like Pirtle, maybe he gets some blocks and that can turn it around. So, of course, just a tournament option. While Costa Kufos at 45. I feel like Costa Kufos at 45. With Cauley Stein out, give him 27 minutes and the potential of the Bissier being out, that he can get your cash value there. Probably not you know, real tournament upside, but he gets your 25 you should feel happy about it in that sort of a scenario. On DraftKings, Rondo's at 6,400. Much more interested in DraftKings, uh, on Rondo for DraftKings there. Uh, Tone Davis at 11.3. Of course, we love that. Yeah, those other factors are still in play, but that is a significantly lower price. So yeah, definitely interested. Bud Heald at 52, also uh, also worth a look. Kufos at 44, if he plays, which we assume he will, is uh, is looking pretty strong for cash on DraftKings as well. Let's go on to the next one. We've got the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets are favored by two and a half, and the total's the largest of the day, 230 points. What will Michael Malone do to sabotage his own team? We will see. The Nuggets are on a back-to-back. Jeff Green. My name is Jeff. He is questionable. We've got Larry Nance coming off the best game of his career, so some interesting things. If Green is out, we're going to have more minutes for Ante Zizic because Green can serve as that backup center. And more minutes for Kyle Corver and Chetty Osman as well if Jeffy is out. At point guard, Georgie Hill's at 4,700. The matchup's good for Hill, but you cannot rely on anything that he does. Same with the Blue Arrow at 7,000. I would only use him in tournaments. That is that is literally it. Uh, shooting guard, Rocket Rodney Hood will likely start, but I, I don't think the usage or the production is going to be there to consider him a good option. Geordie Clarkson, Devin Harris... No interest there, but Farton, Will Barton, and Gaz Harris. Now, Gaz obviously played very well against the Cavs across the weekend. Expecting a repeat of that is probably unlikely. At 7,200, I think that salary might be a bit high, while Barton at 7,900 puts up the numbers. I'm aware. I just I cannot, in good conscience, use him in cash. He's, he's just too up and down in what he does. The plumber, J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver, they're, uh, they're your get-hot tournament sort of guys, maybe Korver over Smith, but either of them could be in your tournament lineup. He's at 12,500. I think that's a realistic expectation to get 55 here. Um, it is a high salary, but using that in tournaments is definitely a good way to go. Baby next at 54, Wilson Chandler. No interest in using him. At power forward, Mason Plumley at 41. No thanks. Larry Nance is up to 7,500. And at that price, it makes me uh, definitely hesitate. Foul trouble is that, look, if he plays 30 minutes, I think he can beat that value. But if he gets into foul trouble, he, he won't get near it. And that price is definitely turning me away. Maybe use him in a tournament, but I would not want anything to do with that in cash. Paul Millsap at 6,900. His numbers are up. It is a back-to-back uh, for Paul. I think I would leave that alone. But you know, he does have you know, 32, 33-point upside uh, in the limited minutes that he is playing. At center, Nick Jokic, 9,700, really been poor, but hopefully this loss kicks the his ass into gear and the Nuggets into gear, and they can do something about it. Of course, we're only look at him, looking at him as a tournament guy. Well, Ante Zizic, 21 points in that game, the, the Cavs' last game, 3,600 for him, 22 points at 3,600. That allows me to put LeBron in. That allows me to put Tone Davis or Jim Harden or Yanni Antetokounmpo into my lineup. So Zizic is an interesting player, especially if Jeff Green is out. On DraftKings, 
Uh, Jokic and Murray, I think, are tournament guys. Again, not really that keen on Murray, but the matchup looks okay. Um, I like LeBron for cash at 11-4. Nance at 6-3. That's a price rise, but it's still a really good price for Lazar over there. While Millsap at 61, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I think that's a really good price for Millsap for cash over on, uh, over on DraftKings. Let's round this bastard out by going through the last game of the day. It's the Orlando Magic and the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers are favored by seven, and the total is a robust 226.5 points. We know Brandon Ingram is out. Let's go to the point guards. DJ Augustine, 4,900, matching up against Isaiah Thomas at times. Sure. Augustine's have been solid, putting up numbers. I'm okay with it. As for Thomas, one of the best matchups you can get is going against the Magic. 6,800 for him. He's definitely getting a lot of shots. He was shit house against Portland, but still put up 29 points in 30 minutes. And I think that he can easily get to 37 or 38 here. While Lonzo Ball is up at $8,000. And as much as I like Lonzo, as much as I like this matchup, that might be taking things just a little bit too far, but I wouldn't entirely rule it out. He could very comfortably come away from this game with a 15-point triple-double with three steals and two blocks. That is a realistic outcome for Lonzo, and then he smashes through the $8,000 barrier. At shooting guard, Contavious Kowal Pope has been playing playing very well. So Fangio's just gone, well, cool. You're not rostering him anymore because he is at 7,700. And I want absolutely zero to do with him at that price. Evan Fournier at 6,000. The matchup's not bad for him, but he just constantly seems like a $5,000 guy versus a $6,000 guy. Johnny Simmons at 4,200. You know my dislike of him in fantasy, so that's a, that's a no from me. While Mario Hazonia at 4,400, the opportunities just aren't large enough. At power forward, the future MVP, Cole Kuzma, will be starting at small forward. He's at 6,100. No worries with that in cash. Really, really like it. Julius Randle at 8,600. Another guy where Fandrews has gone. You've been using him too much, blokes. You're not going to use him again. That is that is too high. The matchup's great, but that is, that is just really, really high for Randle. Although... His lowest score in his last five games is 37 points. So that is a sensational floor. You do have to look at it. I think I would look in a different direction. As Gordon, $1,000 less. Poor game last time. Pretty good matchup. I'd be more interested in using him than Randall, just saving me that extra $1,000. John Isaac, will he start this game? I'd say probably not, but he went scoreless in the last game, played only 18 minutes and still had 17 points and would have returned value at 3800 So maybe you want to go real weird and uh, and throw him into a tournament? Sure, I probably wouldn't. At center, Brook Lopez, 5800 Monster in his last game. Centers do very well against Vooch and the Magic. So at 5800 sure, he's a great tournament guy to look at well. Uh, Vucevic at 8,400. I think that's probably just getting up a little bit too high for Big Nick. On Draft Stars, I, there is a ton of guys I like here, given the pricing. This is a game where the pricing really does work on DraftKings. Randall, Ball, Vooch, KCP, As Gordon, Thomas, Kuzma, Fournier. I think all of those guys can be cash options and tournaments, while Brookie Lopez, even at 4,800, you can consider him, but I'd probably lean more towards him being a tournament sort of a player. All right, let's uh, roll onto those other sites. Just wrap them up quickly before we go. On Yahoo for tournaments, I've got Jokic. We've got Isaiah Thomas, Dylan Brooks, Freddie Van Vliet, Jakob Pertl, Jim Ennis, and Xavier Rattan Mays. Uh, for cash, Kobe Simmons, Pascal Siakam, Jay Crowder, The Hammer, Reggie Bullock, DJ Augustine, Corey Joseph, The Muppet, John Henson, Jabari Parker, Budrick Heald, The Future MVP, Rajon Rondo, Larry Nance Jr., Labissier, Capella, Gobert, Randall, Oladipo, and LeBron. On Moneyball for tournaments, we've got Capella, Labissier, Bledsoe, Randolph, 
Lowry Markinen, Bullock, Dylan Brooks, Brooksy, and for cash, Boyan Bogdanovich, Augustine, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Paulie Millsap, the future MVP, Isaiah Thomas, Larry Nance Jr., Aaron Gordon, KCP, Lonzo, Julius Randle, Oladipo, and Tone Davis, and on draft stars for tournaments, Lebissier, Randolph, Brooke Lopez, Reggie Bullock, Jumpin' Jay Crowder, and for cash and tournaments, it's Kufos, Millsap, Valanchunas, Heald, Kuzman, Nance, Rondo, Isaiah, Zach Levine, As Gordon, KCP, Nick Vucevic, Lonzo, Randall, Oladipo, and LeBron James. LeBron James. Guys, if you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, even if you're not, go and get that Apple Podcasts app and go and leave a five-star rating and a review. It's a great way of helping the podcast. You can also find this show on Google Play, on TuneIn, on Stitcher, on Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. It's available, and it's always available on LockedOnFantasyBasketball.com as well. On YouTube, subscribe, thumbs up, leave a comment, and check out check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network at Locked On NBA Net. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. My name is Jeff. Jeff Hornacek.